When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Building Better Business podcast is the best place to learn how to take your business to the next level. It's no longer enough to earn good profits. You need to develop a network of connections as well as use all types of marketing to your advantage that will put you over the edge. Hosted by me, Steve Eschbach, a financial executive with decades of experience in dealing with businesses and business people, we'll learn how this all comes together. Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele, which in turn will build you a better business. Greetings of the day, my fellow listeners, and welcome to another edition of Building Better Businesses. I am your host, Steve Eschbach. I am the owner of a business called Transworld Business Advisors. I am part of a team of 250 offices worldwide that uh, basically assists business owners confidentially sell and match them up with qualified buyers. Uh, In addition, we do franchise consulting and franchise sales, all related to buying and selling businesses. And the whole premise of this Building Better Businesses podcast is to help you, our listeners, a little bit more about how you can yourself build a better business, operate a better business, or if you're working as an employee of a particular business, how you can enhance the value of that business going forward. I'm delighted today to have my first cybersecurity guest, and that's uh, Jenna Waters. She's a cybersecurity consultant at True Digital Security. So welcome, Jenna. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, like I had mentioned to you earlier, um, this actually is the first uh, dive into cybersecurity, which um, I think oftentimes gets overlooked, but it is critically important in terms of managing your business to make sure that uh, not only are you enhancing value, but protecting the security of the operations that you have at hand. So tell us a little bit about uh, about your firm that you're working at. You're, You're part of a team or are you the owner of the business? Tell me more about that. Well, I'm not the owner of the business, um, but I am part of a very comprehensive team. So I work on the consulting side of True Digital Security, where we focus primarily on risk assessments, you know, compliance, as well as security testing. So we kind of do the whole gambit, but we also have another department in our organization that focuses on, um, you know, around the clock monitoring and response capabilities for security operations. We do incident response. We also work with, um, you know, within that part of the organization, you know, we also help provide, you know, intervention for our clients on behalf of like, you know, cybersecurity breaches, ransomware, that kind of, you know, those kind of cyber attacks. And so I work on the compliance and risk side. So what I do is I come in hopefully before a cyber attack and I help build those defenses and help you really customize your cybersecurity program to your organization so that your business isn't spending too little money on cybersecurity, but it's also not spending too much money on cybersecurity. It's, it's, what I do is I kind of help businesses find that perfect middle ground. I kind of play Goldilocks in that kind of scenario. So that's what I do. 
Oh, that's cool. Um, before we get into this, I'm going to mention mm -hmm. a couple of experiences that I've had both in my corporate and my uh, current business life. But uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Where were you born and raised? How did your family, mom and dad influence where you are today? I'm just curious to know if you were kind of pedaling your tricycle on your neighborhood street, if you had <laughs> cybersecurity in mind when you were developing your career aspirations. So I was born and raised and grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, you know, and I was actually, so I was born to a single mom. So I had a single mother growing up. So she worked. Oftentimes she ended up working two jobs. So I had a lot of time as a young kid to kind of, you know, live in my own world, I guess. And a lot of that is on computers. I remember my first computer was an old gateway Windows 95. And my mom thought she had parental controls on it. And I figured out how to disable said parental controls to do whatever I want, which usually included later on in my teen years, you know, downloading music from things like Napster. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I was interested in technology, but I was interested in using it for kind of my own, you know, as teenagers do. And then when I graduated from high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I knew I was more interested in doing something of value. I really wanted to feel like I was impacting the world in a good way. Um, so, you know, my sister, my older sister at the time was in the army and she kind of convinced me to join the United States military. So I served six years in the United States Navy. I served as a linguist and threat intelligence analyst for the U.S. Navy for six years, like I said. And that led me to college, which led me to here. <laughs> so well, just kind of, of all, progressed. First of all, I got to tip my hat and salute you for your service for the United States. Thank you so much for that. One thing I will say, and I have experience and over the many business opportunities that I've worked with in, in the past, is that the military is a very good place to learn a lot about discipline. Am I right? Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. Because, you know, I didn't have much of the personal self-discipline beforehand. And now I find myself, I still do things like fold my laundry. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. I, and my son went to a military school. He went to Virginia Tech. And uh, while they had very strong disciplines about mm -hmm. upkeep of your room and whatnot, he thought of ways that he could avoid having <laughs> to fix up the messes that were caused by his fellow students. But we, we won't get into that right here. Um, the one thing I wanted to mention to the audience mm -hmm. here is that my corporate background included working with a multi-state regulated utility that up until around 2012, believe it or not, uh, had not even had cybersecurity in their top 10 lists of strategic planning items. And as you can well imagine, if you are the owner operator of a publicly traded company that owns six utilities in six different states, you can imagine the data breach that is possible with you know customer information like that. And I know toward the tail end of my career, at the holding company, Integris Energy Group, cybersecurity bubbled up to be one of the top 10 strategic initiatives because that became so vulnerable. Tell me about your experience. How has cyber threats, and I've had my identity personally stolen three times in my life, how has cybersecurity threats changed to the point where it's almost a regular occurrence that you have to monitor it? Give me a little description of that over the past few years. So over the past few years, I mean, we like in the cybersecurity industry to sort of relate our job to just one big game of whack-a-mole. And that's how it's been for a very long time. It's, you know, it's hopefully we 
tackle, once we tackle one incident, there's another, and then there's another. And then there's another trend in my industry that hope we're we're slowly getting over this hump of a trend, but it's where we have to capitalize on every incident that occurs. And that's when we can get the business to invest. And that's when we can, you know, really hammer home how this is a value added kind of function for a business. And but over the last few years, what we've really seen in terms of growth of, you know, cybersecurity threats is kind of that targeting of smaller businesses, of medium-sized businesses. It's no longer big banks. It's no longer, you know, big hospitals. It's it's the smaller ones. It's the ones they know that they can go in and, you know, commit a ransomware attack or, you know, a third-party supply side attack and they can get money out of it or extort money for data. And so it's always been financially driven. It's just now instead of going straight to the money source, what they're doing is they're going in and they're going to these businesses where they can go, hey, I know you want your data. Your data is incredibly value to you because you need it to operate and continue to operate. How about you give me $3 million in Bitcoin and I'll give you back your data. And then they'll come back later, about maybe a year later, two years later, six months later, with the data they've now exfiltrated that you didn't know they'd taken out of your system and said, if you don't give me more money, I'm going to sell this on the dark web. So that's literally what we're seeing is we're seeing it in terms of actually extorting the owners of the business instead of going straight for the money or straight for you know some form of like direct financial gain. So it's sort of, it's kind of evolved in that way. What's also evolved is we're starting to see it more um, attacks on things like you said, like utilities, critical infrastructure. And I think also what's changed in the threat landscape is people are feeling it more. Like you said, you suffered from identity theft a number of times. I know I've suffered from it once or twice, but now it's no longer identity threat. Now it's, I can't get gas in my car. You know, it's, well, are they going to, you know, meat prices are now soaring because they hacked a meat plant. Like people are feeling it in their everyday lives. And I think businesses, big or small, are starting to see that, you know, IT isn't just a part of your business. Nowadays, IT is the business because for your business, regardless of your industry, for the most part, you know, to really grow and to really become more mature and hopefully take on you know, more profitability in different areas, you need IT. Well, if you have IT, you need cybersecurity because every IT system is vulnerable. And every IT system within any industry has its threats that are associated with it. And that's really kind of how it's just kind of spawned into this almost media frenzy, it seems like, at least right. lately. So you mentioned that small to medium-sized businesses are becoming more and more the target of cyber security threats and attacks. So tell me a little bit about uh, True Digital. What type of client do you have? And if you're meeting a client for the first time, what are like the first three questions you need to ask to see if they are extremely vulnerable to being uh, attacked cyber-wise? So, you know, True Digital is scary. Like I said, I'm really kind of like I work in that consulting space, the compliance space. So my job is to go into an organization and is to either assess them for compliance, I do a lot of um, PCI financial assessments, or to help look at their gaps in security and in their security program and say, here's where your vulnerabilities are, here's where your threats are, these are your core risks. And what we really do is we like to come in and we'd like to 
holistically evaluate an organization. So what that means is we're not evaluating just the organization on just their security program. Because a lot of people think security program, okay, that, that's techie stuff. That's, you know, people in front of a computer typing away. And I have done that. I, I like doing that. But it's not just that. It's also user education and awareness. You know, it's also leadership buy-in. It's also physical security. I mean, think about it. Colonial pipeline hack. That's a physical security issue as much as it is a corporate IT issue. So it's looking at it from, you know, personnel, insider threats. Okay, what about nation state threats? What about financial threats? It's looking at it in a holistic, real world way and saying, what ones do you need to prioritize based on your industry, based on, you know, the size of your organization, and then also based on your five-year goals, your 10-year goals. Once we've identified those gaps and those vulnerabilities and, you know, really prioritize those risks, then what we can do is we can help the business kind of go from instead of a lot of businesses really worry that we're going to come in and go, you have to put cybersecurity in 100% now. No, what we come in and we go, we say, okay, let's prioritize this chunk for this year because these are your big threats. You know, you're, you have a big threat of ransomware or if you're a natural gas company, you have a big physical threat that you have to take care of because you have all these like pipelines. So what we do is we say, okay, Let's do those this year. Let's get you 10% better this year. Okay, next year, now we have KPIs. Now what we can do is we can look at and evolve you in metric in ways in terms of like metrics so that you can actually measure how we're improving in terms of like, what have we, what risks have we mitigated last year? What risks have we mitigated this year? And instead of becoming a reactive program where we react to an incident every time it happens and hopefully capitalize on it, instead we're proactive. Every year, that biz, we help those businesses be able to go to their leadership and say, here's what we invested last year. Here's the value add based on what we saw in terms of trends and the environment and threats and attacks that are happening. And here's what didn't touch us. And here's where we can save you money. Also, here's what we need to address. We can actually be proactive. We can go to leadership, ask for investment, and do so in a way that is, you know, that touches the business. They understand why you're doing it. They understand there's a return on investment at the end yeah, of the day. You mentioned, you mentioned some key buzzwords that I uh, have <laughs> heard. And I'm not, no disrespect intended here, but KPIs, key performance indicators. Now, mm-hmm. There are key performance indicators, of course, with financial performance, operational yeah. performance. And it is interesting and not too surprising to know that KPIs also exist in the cybersecurity monitoring. And you and I both know, and many of our listeners have to know that these things are changing all the time. And if mm-hmm. you're doing that whack-a-mole game and you finally hit one, well, sure enough, another one's going to pop up that you didn't think of. So it has to be a constant thing. Is that like a quarterly review, an annual review? How do you how do you recommend your clients monitor that? So I like to think about it in terms of layers. So how do you monitor those KPIs? You have your daily monitoring. So cyber, like I said, cybersecurity operations, there is a big tech side to it. That's your monitoring. That's your logs, your you know, IT audit logs. That's looking at your information systems. You know what that baseline is of how your organization's information systems operate. 
And on a daily basis, you can kind of see the trends of what users do, what your email looks like. You know, you can see those trends. And that monitoring enables you to go and identify very quickly when an attack or incident is occurring. Because again, you know your system baseline. So that's that's your daily assessing. Then you have what I the quarterly. So that's going to look something, again, it's more on the techie side, but it's vulnerability scanning every quarter, making sure you're running a patch management program so that you're testing changes to your system so that you're ensuring it's not disrupting the business. Um, and that's usually on a quarterly or monthly basis. And then on an annual basis, you should be doing things like risk assessments. You should be looking into getting, you know, especially if you're a provider of IT systems to another business, you know, you should be looking at getting a SOC 2 type 2 or a PCI, you know, certification. You should be looking at getting an annual assessment of some kind that verifies and validates for your business, especially if you want to partner with other businesses to really say, here's where we are. We don't stink too bad. You should partner with us. And so it should be at least annually, but it also should be an everyday thing in terms of your tactical operations. That's that military coming out. (laughs) I love the military term because I appreciate the discipline that helps you in terms of monitoring you. I mean, everyone, business owners (laughs) and employees and whatnot in general. The other thing I wanted to mention, and you brought this up, is that I think you mentioned continuing education to some Mm -hmm. extent. And I'm a professional life and health producer here in Illinois. I'm also a real estate agent in Illinois. And every two years, we are required by the licensing authorities to have a certain number of hours of continuing education because things change. That would probably be the same, even if it's not required for licensing. You do need to stay in touch with that on some kind of regular basis, don't you? Oh, absolutely. So this is one thing I like to really... I like to hammer home with organizations and whether you're a medium-sized business or a big business, we always talk about tools. We always talk about, you know, managed solutions. We always talk about the biggest and brightest AI development you can have or buy. I am by and large a proponent of some of the greatest investments you can make in as an organization is in certified qualified individuals to run these programs because not only do they have the experience, they also have the qualifications behind them. And that does require for me and for many of the people I work with, we're certified in, you know, we have like OSCPs, which is your essentially like offensive hackers who do it for money, (laughs) you know, at like CISSP, you're certified information systems professionals, you know, certified information systems auditors, looking at these people who like a real estate agent, every year they go through CPEs, they maintain a certification, hiring those people who are not only invested in the job they're performing, but invested in their career as a whole and maintaining that education so that they can in turn educate the people in your organization through security awareness training, you know, through incident response training, and so that they can make sure your systems stay secure and safe because, you know, it's hard to say you're an expert in cybersecurity. I probably will never say I'm an expert in cybersecurity because it changes every week. (laughs) Well, you can be an expert to the extent that you can stay on top of the ever-changing environment that you have to deal in. So as long as you're constantly monitoring that, I think that's the best you can do, right? It is. It really is. 
but there are just days I'm like, I don't want to look at the news. <laughs> I don't want to look at my feeds today. I'm just, I'm just going to take a break and focus on work. <laughs> Let's get back a little bit to true digital security. Now yeah. we talked about how every, every business is uh, vulnerable to some kind of cyber threat whatsoever. But for your company, mm-hmm. is there a particular industry that you're focusing in? Is there a particular size that you're focusing in on? I've got to imagine that your sweet spot are those businesses that don't have the internal staff to, to assist them with what you and your firm specialize in. So what would be that sweet spot? What would be the, like the average number of employees, the revenue size range? What is your industry, whatever? What, what is the best thing for true, true digital? So for true digital, I think the best is that medium size or small size business, uh, likely over uh, 50 employees at minimum to up to like, maybe a few thousand employees, but it really, we encompass every industry. I have worked in oil and natural gas. I have worked in the financial sector, retail sector. I've worked in hospital. And when I say worked, I mean consulted with. So I've consulted with various industries. It really doesn't matter because for me, cybersecurity is the same regardless. It's just, okay, let's narrow it to your industry (laughs) and let's look at it that way. But it's a small to medium-sized business. And yeah, it's an organization that maybe doesn't have a you know, mature cybersecurity program. We don't want you coming in with a mature cybersecurity program. I mean, we do if you really want to. We can definitely help you. But we look at the, we want to see those organizations that we can not only grow their cybersecurity program holistically within the business and make it just right for the business, but also can grow with us as an organization, as a partner. So, and that's on the consulting side, but on, you know, the, you know, managed services side, we do provide a lot of cybersecurity. We provide, you know, security um, operations where they are the ones who go in and they're monitoring your systems. They're looking at all the indicators. You go and you do your business you work on your competitive advantage and you focus on making your business run and we focus on the security side. So definitely that small, medium-sized business. And we can help you either on the development side, hopefully, and then also the managed services side or the um, systems you know, monitoring side. We can do that as well as other you know, applications. We do vulnerability scanning. We also do penetration testing, which is, like I said, it's those hackers that like to get paid to have fun. <laughs> legitimately. <laughs> Absolutely. So what's your advice for uh, even smaller companies? Let's say the ones that are 10 to 25 employees. Doesn't sound like that is a client of yours that makes sense, but what advice would you give a business owner that is even so much smaller than the types you handle? Yeah. So, and we do handle some organizations that size. It's just not as frequent. And I think it's because, you know, cybersecurity doesn't really become a big priority until you realize it's a priority and that that does require a level of maturity. But the things I would tell a smaller organization is start from the beginning. If you're a startup or if you're a small organization, like right now is the time to say, okay, let's, we have a top five list of what we want to do. Let's make cybersecurity number four or five. Because obviously you have to make money, you're getting off the ground or you're a smaller organization, but let's start now. And the reason I say that is because there's a lack of, and I put this in quotations, security by design in networks and software and service providers and endpoints. You know, you're, so if you're a retailer, an endpoint would be like your point of sale system. 
And that will make it more difficult to achieve any cybersecurity objective or goals in the future. You know, and I think for most, and like I said, for most organizations, IT is no longer just a support function because it's actually the bedrock and framework of your business. If you want to grow it, you need some form of IT. Focusing on cybersecurity now, coming up with a plan now, even if it's small, even if it's not perfect, is still better than starting five years from now when you have a much bigger organization that is a lot less agile. The next thing I would say is really look at the products and the vendors that you put into your organization. So, or that you partner with for your organization, you know, a desperate collection of add-on technology products or vendors that can take a lot of time to manage and coordinate and time equals money, right? And coordination equals labor, which equals money. So what you want to do is you want to take the time to really vet who your vendors are, what products you use, how reputable they are in terms of cybersecurity and ask, you know, make sure you're asking really good questions. Ask for a SOC 2 type 2 if it's a big organization or if you're retail, ask for their PCI attestation of compliance. So it's payment card industry, you know, or if you're a hospital provider, make sure you're HIPAA compliant or that you're the businesses you're partnering with are HIPAA compliant. The last thing I would say is, you know, don't let a lack of budget, you know, scare you into not pursuing cybersecurity. Sometimes, again, cybersecurity for a small mom and pop shop, like a good example is like um, medical cannabis or, um, you know, like a restaurant. So is making sure your employees have their own logins to the point of sale system. You don't use one login. Each one has their own. Each one uses their own login. And you have a way to either monitor their activity or you've hired someone to monitor their activity. Um, Also making sure that if, so like I did this with a coffee shop once and this was just off the cuff, but I realized that everybody used the same Wi-Fi in this coffee shop. Uh, Yeah, their point of sale system was on this Wi-Fi. Their guests are on this Wi-Fi. So I just kind of politely said, maybe separate things like that. It can be something that simple that can really save your small business a lot of heartache in the future. So bake it in from the beginning. Say, what can we do to secure our systems? And then what can we do to secure our facilities? What can we do to secure our people? And if you look at it that way, it becomes more tangible than just cybersecurity, which is a huge, sometimes really overwhelming to people. Sometimes uh, boiling it down to bite-sized pieces makes a yes. tremendous amount of sense. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. we're at the at the end of our uh, Q and A session. Is there anything during our conversation this morning that we haven't covered that you want our audience to know about? You covered quite a bit, and all of it was very, very insightful. So I appreciate that. Anything we may have missed in terms of Q's questions? Uh, so I would say that. Overall, I just really want to hammer home that, you know, digital transformations, no matter what size of organization you are, you know, it can really fuel business growth. And I really believe that because IT is now the business, you know, taking time to develop and invest in a mature security program really enables your organization to later undertake 
the more complex, critical IT projects or shifts in technology in a more agile way and really can help open your organization to more, you know, to expanded lines of business and revenue generation without also creating high risk vulnerabilities. So the longer you wait to build a solid foundation in cybersecurity, the longer you will have to put off these projects or take advantage of any opportunities that may come your way because you've kind of hampered yourself at the beginning. So if I were to say anything to anyone, it's start now and don't be afraid to start small and definitely feel free to outsource as you grow because there are experts out there like those of us at True Digital and other organizations more than happy to come in and help you so that you're not, again, overwhelmed by this big giant bubble that is cybersecurity. So while cybersecurity was a new topic for me up to this point in time, the same thing, the common theme is that you got to, you know, start with what you can develop, mm -hmm. which and grow from there. So very excellent advice. I appreciate your insights here. And Jenna, last but not least, where can we go to find out more about you and your company? So if you want to find out about me, I am on LinkedIn at Jenna with two N's, Waters. And if you want to find out about my company, it is at www.truedigitalsecurity.com. I do not have any other social media platforms. <laughs> Just LinkedIn. Well, she's protecting herself by not going on. <laughs> Guess. Well, in any event, thank you so much, Jenna, for uh, your time, sharing your insights and advice for business owners. I appreciate that. And audience, thank you for listening in for another edition of Building Better Businesses. There's plenty more to be on the lookout for. So either go back in time, see what we've covered before, or be on the lookout for what's coming down the road. So again, thank you very much and uh, have a good rest of the day. Jenna, thank you. Thank you. The Building Better Business podcast is the best place to learn how to take your business to the next level. It's no longer enough to earn good profits. You need to develop a network of connections as well as use all types of marketing to your advantage that will put you over the edge. Hosted by me, Steve Eschbach, a financial executive with decades of experience in dealing with businesses and business people, we'll learn how this all comes together. Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele, which in turn will build you a better business.